Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, this podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% discount at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hiya. Michael Normanson's with me. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. This is the new podcast. We find out what's been said about Leeds United by you and by the opposition fans. We have a look at what we got right, wrong and everywhere in between. Our TSB Plus subscribers send us their feedback on the match ball. This is what they picked out from the Brighton game, which was a bit of a struggle. Sam was absolutely right. Wouldn't bother. That's what he said. Don't bother. It was a bit of shit. Should we wrap it up there? I mean, or should we just persist because we need the sweet, sweet ad revenue? I suppose people uh, people probably want a bit more than that, don't they? Even though that was the, the, the general vibe. I think it was a good weekend to have the social media blackout as well because no one really wanted to talk about us, did they? No. Apart it, from to moan a bit. It was nice to not have a hot take on it, actually. It didn't stop anyone. I mean, Sarah Ran has been in touch and I think she's been paying attention to the uh, the meltdowns on Twitter. I, I saw it getting as far as... Um, that we shouldn't bother signing Jackie Harrison from Manchester City and thought, I think I've had enough of Twitter Just tonight. Just switch, switch this one off for now. Yeah, I think um, that's all I, I need to know. Although there is a little bit of anxiety underpinning what Sarah Rand says, which is, do you actually think, and this was an open question, it wasn't a, God, we're terrible. It was a, do you actually think we've looked good lately apart from Man City? I worry that games like this, and she's referring to West Ham Wolves, Arsenal, Villa, are a more accurate gauge for next year? The answer to that for me is no. I think the whole season is an accurate gauge for next year. Sometimes you're good, sometimes you're not good. And the idea is that you gradually improve so you're good more often than you're not good. As Gattuso said, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. And we do do this, that performance. I feel like I've seen a couple of those every season under Bielsa where for no reason we're just crap. Why did Gary Monk beat us 5-1 on aggregate in the Championship? It was uh, three defeats and a draw we got against mm. his two awful dog shit teams. He's got no right, has he? No, and we just occasionally have these kind of inexplicable flat performances that don't necessarily mean anything. In the end, we'll probably beat Spurs 4-0 and wonder what the hell happened in Brighton. In terms of the games we've played recently as well, I think we have played well in them because we've been playing some really good teams and got some good results. I do wonder if there was a slight change of emphasis in this game that maybe we, I don't know, maybe we struggled with the change of pace that all of a sudden we go from a team that's going to attack us non-stop to a team that is a bit more conservative and will sit and wait for us to make mistakes a bit more. I did say this in the run-up to it though, didn't I? These are the games that I almost fear a little bit because we get our tails up, we get confident because we have performances against, against those sorts of teams 
But then it's these teams that kind of set to shut us out and hit us on the break that we don't necessarily perform that well against. And then you said we'd win. Yeah, because I cannot put heart above head or the other way around. uh, You know what I mean? What was above everything was the size of their fucking defenders. And um, I was quite interested that that was Bielsa's main theme was just their three massive centre-backs. And then, as we pointed out on the match ball, their full-backs have no business being six foot six either. And I think that's the other side of these occasional kind of flat performances is not, it always gets painted as Bielsa's been found out, but I think it's more that there are just some opposing styles of play, some opposing setups that just his style of football doesn't do very well against. And having a fucking back five of Daniel Ayala is one of the the ones we struggle with. Jackie Harrison trying to cross to Pat Bamford, who with the best will in the world, he's not. Well, star- they've been starved, haven't they, for two years, a lot of them. Bag of bones. Well, I mean, yeah, and he's not Lee Chapman in that he doesn't kind of barge defenders out the way, making space for himself in the six-yard box to get on the end of a cross. He's not Gary Lineker who can spot an inch anywhere and know instinctively where the, the ball goes to go. When we've got him in the penalty area kind of on his own against three very, very big fellows, the crossing will inevitably be poor because you just you look up from the wing and just go, well, I don't know how the fuck I get the ball to him from here. <laughs> Land of the Giants. Sarah Ran actually picked out that Calvin and the subsequent reshuffle was a factor. Ding did as well, actually. said, too often Calvin's absence is framed in terms of his defensive attribute, when in reality, his range of passing going forward is also a huge miss. It's a fair point. And, and it is the reshuffle every time as well. It's not just that we have someone who plays the Calvin Phillips job that comes in. It normally re- results in a slight tweak in team shape. Or We also had... Stuart Dallas moving out of the midfield in this game as well because of an injury to Costa and it, it just all felt I felt nervous when I saw the team sheet I've got to be honest I think I'd predicted a win before because I was Dan carried me along in his stupid optimism <laughs> which I've, I've realised once again don't have hopes and dreams it's foolish isn't it it is it is a frustration with Bielsa that when a winger is out he won't just bring in he won't just start Pervader and I can see why there's an argument for not starting Pervader because He's a lot of fun, but I don't know how effective he is yet. Um, and it's his defensive qualities maybe as well that you're not quite sure yeah. about yet whether he can do that part of the game. But then you look at what the knock-on effects are and that Stuart Dallas, who has been brilliant in midfield, is then no longer in midfield and then matches Click has to come in and then Alioski has to move and then we've got Robin Cock. And then a midfield yeah. three of Robin Cock, matches Click and Tyler Roberts is not our first choice in form. Uh, it's not what we want there at the moment. And if you still had Stuart Dallas there in the middle of it, then maybe, you know, it's what's going to have the the most negative effect. Would Pervader playing on the wing not being brilliant, if we assume he wouldn't be, be worse than Stuart Dallas being out of midfield? What's going to have And I would say... Are you suggesting that Marcelo Bielsa is fallible, Moscow? I'd go so far as to use the word fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel did actually zero in on this point as well, talking about the reshuffle. The best bit of the game was probably trying to work out the puzzle that was the team sheet. Three at the back, question mark, one winger, Stewie D playing in defence and or midfield. And after that, pretty disappointing, apart from Marcelo punching a Brighton seat. She loved that, did Rachel? So fair, fair play. Um, and the knock-on effect, I think that's what it is. It sort of shaves that 10% of performance or output out of the team, doesn't it? And it's just enough to knock you down to that level where a team as ordinary as Brighton can make you look worse. Didn't like that. It seems to happen. It gets painted as Calvin Phillips is absent, therefore Leeds United can't play. But it's more of a, a cumulative effect of when Phillips is absent, we have to move this player and that player and other player. And then you add Costa as well. And it just became 
I mean, it's not our first team. We we kind of get used to them because they play all the time. But Rodrigo should be playing. Rafinha should be playing. You know, even Kiko Cost- Casilla should be. No, even no. Helder Costa not being there, he's not even our first choice winger, and we've not got him. The defense doesn't have Liam Cooper in it. It does have Gianni Alioski in it. Problems for a few more weeks. For a few more weeks, he's another one who he'll probably be absolutely fine against Tottenham. I feel like I've seen this happen to us a lot, where we have four great games. Alioski in particular is like four good games and one shit, and he'll probably be, you know, he'll play brilliantly against. But he was great against Manchester City a few weeks ago. Fine in the game since. Awful in this one. Next week he'll probably be fine again, and the cycle goes on for another few games anyway. Well, there's not many left, and then he can he can go to Napoli, and we'll bank the 10 million euros. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this kind of flows from the same point above Adrian and Tom Cole, both picking out like the sort of a lack of verve going forward, a bit of uh, just not enough lead in the pencil, I think. Uh, Adrian said, I don't think it's physical fatigue, but Harrison Click and Roberts have not been at it today. Is it the lack of break or just mental pressure? Costa's had lots of criticism this season, but I think we really missed him today, which was what you were just saying there. I think we uh, we did miss somebody with that that ability to run, didn't we, on that side? Uh, there wasn't enough width, and Alioski didn't provide anything except giving away a stupid penalty. I think Tom Cull as well, picking up on the, the one-twos between full-backs and central midfielders haven't been working. And Yeah, the overloads. that We didn't get the overloads, did we, at the weekend? Yeah, that has been the case, and I don't know. Stuart Dallas is the man I always think of doing those, so maybe with him being moved around doesn't help things too much. But I think as well, the other thing people picking up on was click and asking the question, is he broken? Yeah, Ryan from Australia specifically asks that. Is he broken? Haven't seen much of the old clicks since the start of the season and seem to be playing with half a heart and a whole lot of carelessness, uh, not looking where he was kicking the ball, for example, not chasing the ball down, not wanting to be there in general. I think that, I mean, I'm not look, I'm not a professional sports person and I've not worked in that field, but you know, don't you, that... Do when you want to f- come to me? Um, Moscow. Don't you agree that like when fatigue sets in though, and that's what he seems to be identifying, when fatigue sets in, all the other performance metrics kind of start to drop off. So burnout. Yeah. Basically. For example. Yeah, I mean Click's not had his his best season, although it's strange when we talk about players getting to the, the next level. And that seems to be the, a lot of the criticism that gets thrown at this lot after a, a game like this, like Harrison not being worth the ten million pounds it will cost to get him from Manchester City because he's not going to be good enough to get us to the next, like this mythical next level. Yeah. I look at the all the stats charts and like who is good at crossing, who is good at creating attacking opportunities. Harrison's always up there. Goals and assists, he's got plenty this season. I think he's got seven and six. I don't know which way around it is. Click isn't far away either. When you balance out his minutes on the pitch, he's, he's in the same sort of bracket for, I can't remember, I think it was for um, passes into the penalty area. He's there with James Madison. You think, well, he's doing something, right? And I had that thing, I looked at, um, I'm not answering your question, but I looked at Helder Costa when he was at Wolves in the Premier League, when they got into the Europa League. He played more games that season than Adama Traore and whoever else there were the good players he played. I think it was 16 starts, 25 appearances in total and was part of a Wolves team that qualified for Europe. And we look at him and go... He's fucking rubbish. And they did sell him at the end of that season. Like there is a, so that argument of, you know, it depends what you think your next level is. Is it top four? I mean, I think the dream is there because we look at Rafinha and think, well, we should win the league with a, with a team of Rafinha's. If it's 
being in contention for Europa League places, we're there now. Yeah. We're doing that. So none of these players, we probably won't win the Premier League with Helda Costa and Tyler Roberts and Matches Click. But also, I don't think we'll finish bottom half in the Premier League next season if those three are still around. It's kind of, they're yeah. not as bad as they, are, as they sometimes are. Click and Rodrigo as well, Adam, and also LO Cool J, who I think is on the verge of sending his shirts back to Andrea Radrizzani. Rodrigo worryingly mediocre, and not even mediocre at the minute. Well, he's, he's not really played. He's not, he's not fit, is he? No. And I, I, I think we've just got to write this season off where Rodrigo's concerned. Yeah. He's just, he's just been in and out so much. He's never got, got back up to full fitness. It's like Bamford in the um, the first season, in and out, injured, and he came back at the end and looked woeful in that playoff semi-final second leg and then came back a different player the season after and then he's got better still. Click and Rodrigo have both had COVID as well, haven't they? Mm. I was going to say, I wonder if Click would benefit the same way. It does affect everyone differently, doesn't it, COVID? I think some people have come back with like the week after having it, with not even knowing they've had it, if, if it wasn't for the test. I've seen some players saying, well, like, I felt absolutely fine, did a test, turns out I had it. Maybe they were badly affected. I think the thing with, with Click is he started the season brilliantly and we were all kind of like, I guess, relieved, saying, oh, like, he can do it in the Premier League, he's great. He's just like he was in the Championship. And then for several months now, it's not been working for him, has it? And I can't remember the last time he really played well. But he did the um, interview in Poland, didn't he, where he said, that because he's played so much football over the last two years, he's sort of stopped training. It sounds like they've been giving him a bit of the Hernandez treatment where it's not hell for leather, murder ball, because he, he would break. It's a slightly different um, program. He says he's not been able to train to the, the level he would need to. And, you know, it's, I think his momentum, I think he's hit the, the wall that we were, you were always going to after hitting 200 consecutive games or whatever we've done to him. And you kind of wish he wasn't going to the Euros with Poland. Although maybe, you know, change is as good as a rest. Maybe that'll be the thing to kind of freshen him up. But Rodrigo... <laughs> you mean not having Bielsa bellowing at you every day to move, move again, again. It's the thing with Rodrigo as well. It's kind of, it's a... You do have the trade-offs with Bielsa. I think because we worship him so much, you do forget that there are downsides to him. And one is the time it takes and the process players have to go through to get up to what he wants out of a, a player, the Jean-Kevin Augustin factor where it's impossible for us to make a January signing because they won't be ready until May. And I think Rodrigo is maybe an, an example of that where he's not had the ability to get up to the full Bielsa and you see him more in the second season than you do in the first, I think hopefully. Con- I think concerns about Rodrigo are fair though because we have never spent as much on a footballer as him. So you, you are right to expect some return on it. And he isn't particularly young either. We're not talking about Tyler Roberts or someone who you're thinking, well, he probably will. He's probably got a fair bit of growth in him over the years. Maybe he'll he'll come back and return his investment. He needs to be good now. If you spend nearly 30 million quid on a 29-year-old, they've got to be good straight away. So yeah. the fact he isn't, it is a disappointment. I think we all expected more from him this season. There's been a bit of noise suggesting that we should have gone for Ollie Watkins instead of Rodrigo, but that's easy to say in hindsight, isn't it? And I think as well, earlier in the season, we weren't saying that. When he first came in and looked good, everyone was perfectly happy with him. It's just that over the last few months, it hasn't been particularly going for him. Well, he's not been playing. Yeah. That's the other thing. Uh, we're talking he, he about his, his recent form, and there isn't any because he's been injured. So. So, so people are counting his age and his price tag against him in that regard. And the cumulative overall end of the season... Where did we think we were going to be? Anywhere top half of the table is a brilliant achievement if you're coming straight out of um, the championship. 
So at the end of it, you sort of look at them all as a group to use a, a monkism and say, you've all done what you came here to do. Now, can you do better? They're in credit is the point. Like the team that got promoted is in huge credit. This and team, this season has, has outperformed where we expected them to be. So they're in credit as well. And not only because of getting promoted. I think sometimes it looks a little bit too much like sentimentality. It's not, oh, thank you for getting us promoted. It's this season has been very good compared. I mean, look at fucking West Brom. Look at Fulham. Shite. Exactly. And what are we? Great. Great. Yep. Fair point. Not anymore. Well. Wheels off. Some observations on Marcelo Bielsa, who who was it you were demanding him out? Were you Moscow saying he was a fraud? Uh, that we're going to clip. For, Spurs can have him. Yeah. Tom Cole and Patrick both singled out Bielsa for a bit of attention. Tom saying, Marcelo was pushing that chair back after their second goal like someone was shoving their knees into the back of his chair on a long haul flight back to Argentina. That passive aggressive thing you do <laughs> where you just, just rock the chair back a bit. Just a little, <laughs> I'm someone in this chair, you know. Control your fucking children. The observation uh, from Patrick was actually some sympathy for Marcelo Bielsa because he, he saw that Brighton's tiny technical areas curtailed Bielsa's natural roaming instincts, which he likes to do his 13 steps, doesn't he? He counts them out in his head. So if he's getting to the corner, the 90 degree turn before he's executed his 13, or he's having to do it like, you know, tippy toes, like in a cartoon where it goes, that's no good. I mean, I think earlier in the year, we criticised West Ham's being too big. So we're in sort of Goldilocks territory, aren't we? Some observations on appearance, which does feel like we're shaming people now, but, you know, let's go with it. Craig Robertson asks, when did Ben White become so orange looking? Surely he didn't have that weird fake tan look last season. I think he did. I think he might have done. Although it's hard to get fake tanners round when you're in lockdown, as any fool will know. Maybe he's got one in his spare room. Does they still exist? People have them at home? I remember people's mums had them in the early 90s, didn't they? Like uh, the box room might have like a, a home tanning bed in. Yes. Absolutely. You'd hate them though. Absolutely rinse your electricity bill. <laughs> I was thinking, it looks like fake tan. I, I don't think for one second he's uh, he's got a solarium in his back bedroom. True, but still a better face than uh, Trossard. Yeah, Niall mentioned, I mentioned Trossard's face actually on the match ball. is not liking it. Niall, uh, very much in sympathy, says he looks like a cartoon bu- uh, cartoon bully, sorry, not a Bond villain. Yeah, I think that's, it's, it's just He looks like a Bash, little, Bash Street kid, doesn't he? It's the face and then I'm still fascinated by those grey temples. You don't see that often. It's to Trossard's credit that he's, you know, a vain person might be tempted to to die that. Not even a vain person, somebody who just doesn't want to let go of their, their natural hair colour and may try and disguise it. But he's uh, you don't see many Premier League footballers rocking the grey hair. Unfortunately, in his case, it's um, above the face of a prick. Tough weekend then, but let's finish on some positives. Jimbo said Perveda was the standout for Leeds in that stale performance. Katie mentions that we were a bit harsh on Cock. He's barely been back, playing out of position and looked the most creative in the first half. Some beautiful link-up play on 26 minutes with Jackie down the left wing. So well done. I don't know if we were harsh. I know I was saying he looked like he was playing midfield for Germany rather than midfield for Leeds. And I think that's maybe the, it's the first time he's tried to do it. And we, we always want, we just want an exact 100% replica of Calvin Phillips to come on that pitch. And you forget that a player is going to come on who has a, a different idea of how to play there. And I think what I was getting at about his positioning was that Calvin would generally be behind Click and Roberts when they're doing their thing and attacks, watching their back. And I got the impression quite often he would be ahead of Click and getting up near Roberts. And you're thinking, no, Calvin doesn't do that. Don't do that. And so it's it it's one of those things that kind of throws the other people around. If you're if you're used to just no look past Calvin will be there or you know, you lose the ball, Calvin's going to cover it for you. 
And instead, Robin's, you know, he's gone and done something different. It takes time to, it's to nice work to, those kind of things out. It's nice to see how good our centre-backs are with the ball, though. Because if you can imagine... What about uh, without the ball? Well, indeed. Not so good, actually, without the ball. No. They, they scored, didn't they? Oh, yeah. And but also imagine... with the ball, uh, Llorente shooting from halfway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the, the, all the creativity from there. But if you imagine, go back a few years, if you'd have said to Jason Pierce, you're going to be moving forward into midfield today, it would have been horrendous, <laughs> wouldn't it? Or even, I mean, even, to be fair, even defenders that we liked, if, like Pontus or... Kyle Bartley or someone. Did we if you, not if you like kind of, Jason Pierce? Well, you know what I mean. We tolerated him. We, didn't, all right, we never he? thought he was brilliant, though, did we? JP Dog. We never thought he was a great footballer, whereas like people loved Pontus and thought he was brilliant, but if you put him in midfield, I think it'd be a complete car crash. Final word on this one then to Liam, who said that Urente looked strong. Got the death pass from Melier, but five seconds after he goes off, it was 2-0, so maybe we missed him. However, singles out this one, and I think this is probably the biggest takeaway from the weekend. Uh, biggest positive is that Mope didn't score because he's a bastard and he always scores against us. He doesn't look like he'd ever score either. That was the one relief, I suppose, out of this is that Brighton didn't win by six. If they could finish, if Mope was any good, that could have been a worrying afternoon. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Second half of the propaganda show is where we find out what the opposition fans have had to say about us, about Leeds United. So we've had a, a rifle through their fan channels and going to bring you now the uh, the best bits of what we found best worst one of the two bit boring Brighton fans well it's all a bit middle class and nice isn't it I mean they put those posters in the bogs in the away and say no thanks for driving dead far to come and see us you've driven 516 miles to come to Brighton oh here's a local ale fuck off stop being nice it's tweeting about Phil Hay as well did you see that oh sorry Phil can't be here he's not your Phil yeah stop simpering after him it's funny when you look through the uh, when you look through the reporting on this game you get different writers down there, normally you, the same sort of names pop up when we play northern teams because they have the correspondence, and then suddenly you play Brighton and it's a bunch of people you never heard of. Let's talk BHAFC. Let's not. How does that sound? They've missed out the ampersand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that would balance it out. Five characters, to, I suppose, if you slice it down the middle of the capital A, that's all right. But I'd want six characters there Benson and Hedges, AFC. What did they have to say about us? Well, considering we basically thought we were shit throughout and never improved this guy was stressing after their goal 
since they conceded, Leeds just looked like a different team. They looked a bit more like the Leeds we know. I was going to say no and love. We don't love Leeds. No and hate, I suppose. And uh, <laughs> and they were just far better on the ball. Had a lot of possession. I think we saw that throughout the game quite a lot. He sounds too nice to be doing this fan channel nonsense, doesn't he? He sounds like he goes to a farmer's market every couple of weeks and buys some organic sprouts or whatever. Why isn't he screaming at a pot plant? That's what he's supposed to do. Yeah, I've got a point. We were... I saw it in some of the other, I think it was the Telegraph report, where they pointed out that we were coming into the game and looked more likely to equalise than Brighton looked likely to get a um, second goal until they got one. I just thought they looked very comfortable, though. We didn't seem to be creating anything or able to ever get around them. But they're, they're a weird team, though, aren't they? They should be so much better than they are, but they're still not very good. It's... I mean, they are very good defensively. I mean, I thought Dunk was really good. We know Ben White is really good. Fair enough. It was the possibilities of um, cumulative pressure, I think, just us bearing down on them for that long and hoping to have the advantage of our fitness in the last 10, 15 minutes. We've seen that happen where we just grind people down then eventually Dunk makes a mistake and we get an equaliser and then we probably go on to win it because we are maniacs. But um, yeah, Welbeck ruined all that, didn't he? You know that you're lacking bastards in your fan base when we're having to delve into the uh, children bloody watch-alongs. But, so let's be nice about this young person. Yeah, bless him. He was the only Brighton fan I could find who'd done a watch-along. And it wasn't even a full watch-along. He'd done about 15 minutes of it. Well, you know what the attention's about. We talked about Gen Z. And by the way, some old farts were saying, it's not Gen Z, it's Gen Z. It's not, it's Gen Z. I've... Get with the programme. I'm, gran- I'm get not... Granddad, get with the programme. That's all I'm saying. I'm not with it anyway. But bless him. Bless this lad. I, I, it's like you say, he's, he's a child. And I think... I was about the ninth person to watch this when I was uh, when I was going through. I had to get quite far down the pages of fake YouTube highlights that you get through um, to find this lad. But this is him. Bless him. Come on, one, yes! Come on, Cruz! Come on, come on, one nil, Pascal Cruz. Unfortunately, guys, we don't have sound for you, but I'm really excited. One nil, let's go. Ron Robin on the top. Okay. Come on, booze. Come on, booze. It sounds like he's having a jolly nice time. It sounds like Christmas Day, he's just opened up his presents and he's found his favourite Power Ranger or whatever it is the kids do these days. Sounds more like he's got a crate of ale. <laughs> Come on, booze. Yes, I'm really excited. Is there anything for us to hate? In, again, another ampersandless uh, channel, Together BHA. I mean, this guy, he's a bit annoying in a way, I suppose. So it's about as much as we could get. And he's got a really weird accent. Annoying, not... annoying in what way? Talk me through it, because I've not heard these clips. I'm hearing these for the first time, so... um. I'll say uninformed. Perfect material for a fan channel then. Big team news coming out of Leeds as well. No Calvin Phillips again. Second time uh, that we played them this year and the second time Calvin Phillips was not able to play against us. Uh, And it was at that moment um, I smelt blood. Um, Phillips has uh, missed nine games for Leeds and they have failed to win in seven of them after yesterday. Uh, He is so pivotal for Leeds. Um, You know, I... I am of the opinion that if Bielsa and Phillips were to leave in the summer, I think Leeds would, would go down badly. I think it would be a shocking relegation. Um, I think they wouldn't quite be as bad as Sheffield United, uh, but I think they would go down and quite badly too. I just think that they are so carried by those two people. Um, I think they would really struggle to to get out of that division alive if they, if they got both of them out of the way. It took me a good... 40 seconds of that clip to register what he was saying because I was so caught up in the accent. You're absolutely right. Was it, was it Australian? South African? Was it Yorkshire? There were hints of Yorkshire in there. 
they sound a bit like sort of a Lloyd Grossman style mid Atlantic weird accent. So maybe he's going to bring out his own range of sources soon. <laughs> well, what did you think of the content of what he was saying though? I mean, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? Here, here's a novel idea. If you take good players out of a football team, they won't do as well as if they are in the team. That's what he was saying, and he's wrong. I don't know if he thought as well that if we lost Beals from Phillips, we'd have to play with 10 men and no manager. Was maybe thinking, well, that'll be that, then done. Who's, who's going to do it? Probably oh, well, no one. Those two have gone. Should we bother replacing them? Nah, let's just, just carry on as we are. I think that if Pep Guardiola leaves Manchester City and they sell Phil Foden, I don't think they'll do as well as they have been doing unless they get replacements as good or better. Can I just say congratulations for saying Manchester City as well? I, I appreciate your diligence in this matter. This chap has also made the gross mistake. You think gross? Uh, made the gross mistake of thinking that one game or even two games provides adequate data to make a judgment about a football team. It's almost like there's a league system that is a better reflection of your overall abilities, you know? Aggregate of three goals to nothing in the case of two games. Uh, Graham Potter has absolutely done Bielsa tactically over the course of 180 minutes. What a legend. Fair point. Good luck in the next round. I got the Lloyd Grossman bit then. They went, what a legend. (laughs) (laughs) Who would support a team like this? (laughs) I mean, look, we can't dispute the fact that Potter has, over both games, done a job on Bielsa, but, like you say, factor in all the things that were missing, Calvin in particular, from both games. If they want a Gary Monk future, they've got one. So we've got one more clip here. Are we going back to MasterChef for this? Lloyd Grossman was born in Massachusetts. Didn't know that. Where did you think he was from? I have no idea. His accent gives away no clues, as far as I can tell. Just sounds generically posh. Anyway, this is this guy finishing off with just a real mixture of odd opinions. You know, they're supposed to be one of the best teams in the world. Um, By all accounts, I've been told uh, that, you know, by many Leeds fans that they were going to be in Europe this season. Um, And, uh, and, you know, not as good as I I suspect they hoped. and I feel like I have to keep telling this, this having this conversation with uh, fans from Yorkshire. We had this conversation with Huddersfield. We had this conversation with Sheffield United. And now we're having this conversation with Leeds. Um, I, I do think that Leeds are a slightly different prospect because they have a lot more money. Um, but these teams, Huddersfield and Sheffield United, were also all over the Brighton timeline saying how good they were and they were going to continue to grow and they were amazing and they were better than us. And like, fine, like you had a great season, but second season syndrome is a very real thing. And teams need to understand that Brighton. I said the exact same thing. Good. We stayed up the first season. Second season is going to be twice as hard. I said it on the podcast. It may well have been episode one. This game is going to be tough. This, this season is going to be tough and it proved to be our toughest season so far. Um, And, you know, we just about, just about managed to stay up. And that's the same for almost every team. Um, You know, this, this second season thing is a real bitch to get through. Um, And no one's safe, not even Leeds. Why is he talking like a New Jersey cop? A tough bitch. Listen, you're coming into the Premier League and you think you've got it all worked out, but I'm here to tell you it's going to be a tough bitch. I mean, we're supposed to be one of the best teams in the world. Who? Sorry, who who said this? And for comparison, I went and had a a look at the um the Observer from the start of the season because I I bunged in 
the fans' prediction for them so I could compare what I predicted for Leeds against what the Brighton fan said, and I put a ninth. Just turned out to be fairly realistic. I wasn't getting carried away, saying we're the best team in the world, who were going to win everything. I just um, said ninth was fairly optimistic as well. And it's turning out to be accurate, though. We're probably going to finish around ninth or tenth. The Brighton supporter, who is not this um, this weird New Jersey cop, said, our fourth season in the division, and it feels as if we can really make our mark under Graham Potter. Predicted finish, 10th. And where the fuck are they? They're not even safe from relegation yet. I mean, the stuff he was going on about saying the second season's really tough. Tough. And you've got to get used to it. It's not only tough, it's a bitch. Brighton finished 15th, which presumably was, was really comfortable for them. I've just looked at these exact same the, stats Because the first up, yeah. season's such a piece of piss. Then they finished 17th, so nearly went down. Then they finished 15th, and this year they're probably going to finish about 15th. So what he's talking about there is the first season's easy and you finish 15th. The second season's tough, you finish 17th. Then it's easier again and you finish 15th. Then by the fourth season, you might once again finish 15th or 16th. You present yourself as some kind of gatekeeping troll. Anybody from Yorkshire tries to go to play Brighton away. You have to deal with this fella swinging his truncheon at the side of the road. You don't know what you're getting into. Just to give you their points totals from their stays in the Premier League. 2017-18, when they finished 15th, 40 points. 2018-19, uh, uh, they finished 17th, so they just scraped away from relegation, 36 points. And then last season, 15th, 41 points. This season, they've hit the dizzy heights of 37 points with 12 still to play for. We, I'm just checking the table. Am I right in thinking we've got 47 already? That's where we've gone wrong. That's the point he's making. Too many points. You don't want to do too well. You don't want to have a good season because it makes it harder the next season. I mean, Wolves will obviously be uh, looking at, at what they're saying, well, we should probably relegate ourselves at this point. We've been riding our luck too long and it's only fair that we, uh, we, we give in to this. So not a week of bitter recriminations and anger, even though it, we should be getting more gloating, I think, and more anger and more swivel-eyed lunacy. But, you know, that's Brighton for you, isn't it? Good luck in your quest to finish 15th next season. We'll see how we both get on, shall we? Eh? Uh, in the wider world of propaganda, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray, uh, flagged up to me by Neil, thanks for this. They've been commenting on some fella called Marco Bielsa's ability to speak English. And as usual, it's one of those it's one of those hot takes that entirely misses the point of why Bielsa doesn't speak English to the media. Marco Bielsa has apologised. Marco. Marcello Bielsa for not being able to speak English. Now, this is something I mentioned some time ago, start of the season, I think. I was tired of seeing him turn up with translator, uh -huh. if you remember. And I got right. battered my Leeds fans, leave him alone. No, but he actually has realised himself that after three years in the yeah. country, he should be speaking yeah. English. And he said this week, I owe an apology to those who have to listen to me that I haven't learned English. This is his players primarily, of course, but to the rest of us who would like to hear mm -hmm. his thoughts on many different things. Yeah, of course but he just hasn't bothered Andy. Well, and I, I don't think I that's just, good enough. Well, I just wonder because he's not known for a man who hangs around football clubs very long. Mm. He's in there a year, 18 months, two max. He's been at Leeds now a lot longer than everyone expected him to be at Leeds. So maybe he just thought, well, I'm only going to be here a year, 18 months, so I don't want to do that. But now if he's planning on staying, and you know, hopefully he is, because I've enjoyed watching his team this year, um, then maybe he will. Bielsa's not learned English because he's lazy. That's what they're saying. Bielsa's lazy. That's their argument. Yeah, didn't think it was worthwhile. Yeah, he's, he, you get the impression he's a work-shy kind of guy, don't you? Just just tosses it off. Don't go into training some days. Just, just sits home watching Netflix, lets... Uh, 
one of the coaches do it. I mean, it's all it takes for you to read one or two paragraphs in that entire interview where he acknowledges this. And he's saying, look, my ideas are so complex that I can't even articulate them in Spanish, let alone English. And that's the point he's trying to make. That's how he thinks. It's nothing to do with laziness, is it? Richard Keyes, what is his problem with translation? That is how ideas get shared around the world. I would love to know what Marcelo Bielsa thinks about many, several topics. Well, read what he says. Listen to Andres when he, he tells you in English what Bielsa is putting across. No, but no, I, no, no. I deserve it in English from the horse's mouth. I want an English horse. <laughs> and I should just go on record and say Richard Keyes has been working in Qatar for seven years now, so presumably he's fluent in Arabic. I would love to hear that if he is. <laughs> I bet he does an accent. Uh, presumably his hands are still hairy as well. He's not sorted that out. Talking about fucking <laughs> Bielsa not learning English in, in three years. How many mornings has he woken up and thought, I'm going to go on television with those Pause. <laughs> He's a bigger boy now, though, isn't he, Richard? Yeah. I mean, we again, we're, we're just shaming someone's physical appearance. But, I, but uh, it's Richard Key, so you're allowed. Because yeah. it, it is just banter. That is a fair point. You fat mess. <laughs> right. On to the final clip for this episode of Propaganda. And what treat do we have in store? It's a bit of hecky. I thought I'd look, look up what he was saying. Sometimes to know that there's somebody worse off. Well, exactly. Although he doesn't, he sort of takes it all in his stride, doesn't he? The failure. That's what, one of his. Defining characteristics. Isn't I mean, he's, he's so used to it. He just well, he just washes over him. You may think he's failing, but he's on the shortlist for the job full time, <laughs> which is stupendous. And I only hope that that comes true. But yeah, they lost final to Spurs at the weekend. In case anyone's not been keeping a close eye on them, um, and post game he was asked uh, when it went wrong in this game. From the whistle, really, you know, first half it's tough when you start that slowly um, to then regain it. So. It was more or less a bit of shock treatment to half-time, making substitutions, uh, upsetting people, trying to change the mentality. Uh, funnily enough, yeah, the, the performance was much better second half and we ended up getting punished. Um, but the first half performance, starting on the back foot the way we did, um, is not going to give you a chance to win games in this league. We know how tough it is when you're playing at your best. It's that classic football manager thing of externalising the blame. Because if your players are starting badly every single week, don't you have to shoulder some of that responsibility? As well, he got them in at half-time, upset a few people, which seems an odd way of... <laughs> Running back onto the pitch with tears in their eyes. Telling some bad things about their mothers or whatever. <laughs> Tearing um, up photos of the pets. Do you remember when your dog died when you were 13? Do you remember how bad it was taking him to the vet that morning? When your dad left because he, like, he didn't love your mummy anymore. Do you remember that, do you? You just had to go to McDonald's with him, did you, on a Sunday? <laughs> It motivated them to the point anyway where they turned around a 1-0 half-time scoreline. Uh, they turned it into 4-0 in the second half. So it was worth it was worth upsetting them. One for the CV. Shock <laughs> treatment. Skills. Upsetting people. You know when they, uh, they they try to overhear what's happening in the other team's dressing room, probably all the Spurs players, is the one looking at it. We were saying that about before. Well, that wraps it up, doesn't it? That's propaganda for this week. Who've Give we him got, the job. Who have we got this week? Tottenham. Tottenham. Oh, Cockneys. Great. We'll be back with that in the days after the Spurs game. In the meantime, keep an eye out for the main weekly podcast where we do the latest news, pick heroes and villains, and all the usual nonsense. It'll be along in your feed before too long. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.